Welcome to the SJBC Sunday Morning Sermon. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by our senior pastor, Dr. Richard Carver. For more podcasts, videos, and information on our church, please visit mysjbc.org. So we invite you to join me in Acts chapter 3, page 884 there in your Bible. We're continuing in our series, uh, Think About Discovering Life. And uh, next week, we'll think, or week after next, next week, Stephanie and I will be out of town, and Brother TJ will be uh, bringing the morning message. But the following week, on July the 10th, we'll be back, be Lord's Supper Sunday that Sunday, so hold that in your mind. But we'll be thinking about living authentically uh, for 1 Corinthians. But today, we're thinking about living generously, <clears throat> and living with uh, a sense of generosity in our heart. And, and generosity comes in many forms, in many shapes, it can come in in words that we say, to come in, in deeds that we do. And, and there are a lot of ways to be generous to other people. I read recently this week, perhaps you read the article, that there was an, an attorney that wanted to be generous to an inmate. And so the attorney visited the, the inmate in the jail cell and he approached him and he said, you know, I, I, I'm sorry, but I've got some really bad news to share with you, but I've got some good news too. And the inmate said, well, tell me the bad news first. So being generous, with a generous heart, the attorney said, well, the bad news is we've done the DNA and tests and we've done the blood test. And we have found your DNA all over the crime scene. Your blood is just everywhere. We're positive that you perpetrated the crime. The jailer or the inmate dropped his head. He said, but there's good news. Your cholesterol is only one-third. <laughs> so, there are ways to be generous, and, and we can look for opportunities to be generous. And during my years of ministry, I've, I've witnessed and experienced generosity really at the greatest magnitude. People giving out of themselves, whether it's their time, their talent, their money, their resources. I've also witnessed some of the most heartbreaking stinginess, where people have time and talent and resources and money, but they hold it for themselves. Like in the back of their mind that they've got a U-Haul, they're going to load it all up to it, take it to heaven with them. But that's not the case. I've learned that generosity is not something limited to the wealthy. Some of the most generous people that I know are people who have very little. I mean, they're generous with their time. They're generous with their talents. They're generous with their resources. They're generous with the very little uh, amount of, of wealth that they have. They're generous people. And generosity flows from our Christian hearts to those who need charity. The, the, it, it's, it's something within us that flows out of us whenever we recognize that there's a need in the life of another person or another individual or even a ministry. And generosity, surprisingly, does not always come in the form of money. When we think about being generous, our minds first go to well, the preachers preaching about giving money. Well, yes, money is an element of generosity. But generosity is a lot more than just money. Peter and John, in our passage today from Acts chapter 3, they meet a crippled beggar. And rather than give the man money, because we're going to find out they didn't have it, they still were being generous towards this man who was begging, and they showed another kind of generosity that's important for us as Christian people. Remember, these accounts in the Bible are instructive for us. 
to teach us how to live and invest ourselves to live the Christian life effectively. So join me in Acts chapter 3 this morning. My throat is still dry. <clears throat> One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. So I automatically want to ask, what is your time of prayer? They had a designated time. Their time of prayer was at 3 in the afternoon. When is your designated time to have conversations with you and God? For you to speak, Him to listen, and for Him to speak and for you to listen. But they had a dedicated time every day that they went to the place of prayer. As they were going <clears throat> to their place of prayer, Scripture tells us, now a man who was lame from birth, so he had never walked a day in his life. He has never felt sand in his toes. He's never stepped on sharp rocks. He's never felt what it feels like to walk in a puddle of water when you're a kid, you know, when you splash and the mud squishes up between your toes. This man's an adult now, and he has never felt any sensation on the bottom of his feet. So the man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day. Every day means seven days a week. It's not just Monday through Friday, Monday to Saturday, taking a day off. Every single day of the week, someone took him to the gate to beg. Now, being an adult, I'm sure it was his parents that first took him to the gate. But in my mind's thinking, this man is older now. His parents are probably unable to take him to the gate. And it might be some brothers. But more than likely, it's people who are friends with this man. Bringing him to the beautiful gate every single day. To beg from those going to church. Now that's good. What this means is if he's going to beg from people every day at the temple courts, that there are people going to church every day in this community. Because you can't beg from people that are not there. You go to where people are. And so this tells us a little bit about this community. This is a community of believing people. This is a community of people who want to seek out God, to worship God, to pray to God, to commune together in God's presence. This was a godly community, kind of like ours. But they were, the, and it wasn't the same people going every day. It was the same people going every week. But people were going every day to the temple courts. On this day, Peter and John were going at three in the afternoon. And when he saw Peter, the lame beggar, saw Peter and John about to enter. So that means they were going to church to worship and to pray, but they had not yet crossed the line. They were still outside the temple courts, which tells us that he wasn't allowed inside either. He was being held outside the temple courts. So even the lame beggar who was there every day did not have the opportunity to pray and to worship like the others did. He was kept outside, not allowed to come in. 
And so here he is outside seeing Peter and John about to enter. And Peter looked straight at him as did John. Now, Peter didn't say, hey, John, you look. They both looked at the man at the same time. Now, there are four different words for the word look in the Greek New Testament. There's the word for look where you just glance. There's the word for the word look where you look and you bring stuff into your mind and it's almost like thinking and understanding and perceiving. And then there's looking where you're gazing off like daydreaming. And then there's a kind of look where you look and you see into and have a keen understanding. This word look here is the word look that means they saw into this man and had a keen understanding of his need. They looked and saw. Now you've had that experience. You've come across people in your life. You're Christian folk. You know Christ is your Savior and Lord. And you've encountered people who needed someone to be generous to them. And you've had an immediate inkling of what their need was. You've had that happen. You've had it happen. I was getting my hair cut a few weeks ago. And the lady who cuts my hair is usually, usually very jovial. I mean, we're usually laughing, cutting up, telling stories. We're about the same age. And, and so we're, we often reflect upon things when we were in high school in, in the late 70s and, and early 80s. And, and we talk about those things and we reminisce about how things were in Louisville back in the day. And, you know, when Pepsi cans were metal and they would rust, you know, stuff like that. On this particular Friday, she wasn't jovial. She wasn't happy. Matter of fact, she barely said a word. And so after my haircut was finished, I sent her a text message and said, greatest cut I've ever had. Thanks for making me handsome. Now, neither of those were true. But she didn't know. And she texted me back and said, thanks, I needed that. You know, sometimes generosity, you, you can see that somebody just needs encouragement. They need a, a pat on the back. They need, a, they need a hug. They might need a dollar. But you've had that where you've sent someone having a need and you saw right to where the need was. This is what Peter and John were experiencing. The Holy Spirit opened their hearts, mind, and eyes and to the need that this man had. Now, this man thought he had one need, but they in reality saw that his need was quite different. So then Peter said, look at us. Now, if you notice, it says in verse, at, at the beginning of the, verse 3, it says that when he saw Peter and John, remember there's a kind of glancing sea? That's the glancing sea. He just, oh, I see two different people walking up. The other people that have already gone in, I've asked them for money. And now, oh, I glanced and I saw two other people coming. And so I saw them and I asked for help. But Peter says, look at us. That means look into me. Don't see me on the outside. Look into me. So the man gave them his undivided attention, expecting to get something from them. Now notice he didn't lift his hand. Most of the times we read passages like this in Scripture. We'll see that the, like the man with the withered hand extended his hand to Jesus to have his hand restored. 
Blind Bartimaeus extended his eyes to Jesus to have his eyesight restored. This man was expecting to receive something, but Scripture doesn't tell us, or doesn't give us any indication that he lifted his hand to receive it. He just anticipated receiving something. Expecting to get something from it. Then Peter said the words that no beggar wants to hear. Silver or gold, I do not have. And the guy was immediately thinking, well, don't be wasting my time. Where's the next people at? Where's the next group at? But that's not what happened. He said, but, but what I do have, I'm going to give you. I'm sure his ears perked up, his eyes opened wide, wondering what it might be. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now think about that for a moment. We're not told the exact age of this man. He's obviously an adult. His parents would not go off and leave the child. Scripture tells us he was a man. And they say to him, walk. And notice he didn't try. <coughs> not until they took him by the hand. That's generosity. See, the pronouncement of walk in that moment that Peter said walk, he was given what he needed. But the man didn't know it yet. It wasn't until they reached down, took him by the hand, and then the man realized they gave me what they had from Jesus of Nazareth. It says they took him by the hand and helped him up. That's the first time in his life he had stood on the soles of his feet under his own strength. He was doing the impossible because of generosity. I was talking to TJ on Sunday mornings. One of the deacons typically come to have prayer with me. TJ came this morning and, and had prayer with me. We visited a bit and we talked a little bit about Vacation Bible School and about who we are as a church. And I made the comment, I said, or shared the observation. I said, what we do is so important. And I said, evil's fast. And we have to outpace evil. We have to, if evil is running, then we've got to be in a corvette. Because evil's fast. And we know it's pursuing. Scripture tells us that evil is roaming around like a roaring lion looking for people to devour. And I told TJ, I said, you know, we only have our people for two and a half hours a week. If they come both Sunday and Wednesday. We only have our kids two and a half hours a week. I said, I don't know what the math is on that. I don't know what 7 times 24 is right off the bat. But the world and Satan has that potential to influence them all the others of the week. I said, we've only got two and a half hours. And we've got to make it count. We've got to make it count. Peter and John are making it count in a very real way. This man got up and walked. I'm going to tell you, some of us need to walk. Some of us need a touch and a healing from our Lord and Savior. We need somebody to tell us, walk. Or whatever it is that the need is in your life, we need to hear our Savior, Jesus of Nazareth, say to that, walk, or get up, or move, or go, or be. We need to hear that. But when we hear that, sometimes we still need a little help. This man did. And so, Taking him by the right hand. 
he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He didn't need silver and gold. Right there, we know that he needed feet and ankles. God knows what you need. God knows this morning what you need. Don't, don't ever doubt. God fully understands the need that you have. I might miss it. People in this room might miss it. You might come and enter this room and leave. No one ever knows what you truly need. But Jesus does. And he's more than able to meet any need that you have. And not just to meet the need. He said he needed ankles and feet. But notice that they were made strong. He not only does he know what you need, but he knows how to equip you in that need. Oh, what a miracle our Savior is. Then they went with them into the temple courts. You know, this man, because he had a disability, he was never allowed to go to worship. People who had disabilities of any kind were not allowed to enter worship in that place in that day. I mean, if you had an ingrown toenail and the priest knew about it, you couldn't go to worship. If you had a big pimple on the front of your face, the priest would stop you at the gate and say, you may not enter. Any kind of visible defect or disability or blemish stopped you at the gate. Here's what we know about this man. He loved God. He believed God. But for all of his life, his longing was to worship God. You know, they could have taken him anywhere. But they took him to the beautiful gate, the gate that went into the temple courts. And as an adult, I'm sure he chose where he wanted to be. Now, if I was going to beg, I would go beg where wealthy people are. But he wanted to beg outside the house of the Lord. And in my thinking, this is his first time to cross that threshold. And when he crossed that threshold, he could not contain himself. He was so excited to have feet and ankles that were strong, his true need, that he immediately began walking and jumping and praising God. He was in church. He was able to worship God. He was able to sing praises to God and shout to God. And so that's what he did. And notice in verse 9, all the people that had walked past him every day of the week, every week of the year, every month of the year, for many years, this whole man's life, all these people that have walked past him, you know what they were doing? Verse 9 says they went, <gasps> because there's a man who had broken feet and broken ankles, and they're not broken anymore. Because two guys said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I'll give you the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. <laughs> And he did. When all those people saw him walking and praising God, they knew who he was. They recognized him as the same man who used to be sitting at the temple gates called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. All right, there's a lot going on here. 
Let's think about what generous people look like. Remember, we're thinking about generosity today. We're thinking about living and discovering life and what it means to live as generous people. And this scripture teaches us about living as generous people. Remember, scripture is instructed to us. And today, we're taking the approach that this passage is teaching us how to be generous. Now, we can read this and we can see that generosity is not hard to understand. I mean, you see a need and you address that need. And, and, and you know, we, we understand what that is. We've all been recipients of generosity. Generosity in deed, generosity in word, generosity in finances, generosity in encouragement. I mean, there's all ways, different ways to be encouraging. There's all different ways to be generous. And we've all been the recipients of generosity. And you remember how it made you feel. You felt loved. You felt appreciated. You felt important. You felt that somebody cared. Because they were generous with you. I mean, all generosity is, is, is putting to work and making available whatever resources you have. That's all generosity is. It's taking what you have and letting somebody else have it. They need it. You might need it too. But they need it more. And it's taking what you have and giving it to someone who needs it. And in truth, everything that we have belongs to God. There's nothing that we have here in a physical way that we're going to take with us to heaven. It's just not. We came naked. We're going to leave naked. Not taking anything with us. And God owns it all. So anytime we're generous, all we're doing is giving what God has given to us in a love response, love for God, love for others, Responding to a need that we see because the love of God compels us. Now, if we think about it like that, generosity can take many forms. Opening the door and holding the door for someone who could not hold the door for themselves. Just because you're being kind and generous. As spiritual children of Abraham, the Bible tells us that we are blessed to be a blessing. And when we care for those that God loves, and we know that he loves everyone, here in our congregation, when we care and love for those here on our mission field, we're being a blessing to others that God intends for us to be. And we have to understand that. That's not being prideful. That's just the realization to know that, that when I bless my community, when I bless those in here, when I'm generous to people around me and generous to people, I'm being God to them. There was a young lady on... I was in charge of recreation this year, and I always try to pick out things that are non-competitive, that even if you're not an athlete, you can compete and have fun. And so Tuesday was uh, Suck and Slurk. Uh, I'm sorry. Anyway, I can't say the word now. What I, but what it was, was I wanted to give them watermelon seeds to spit, but nobody in Louisville sells a seed in watermelon. They're just not here. And so Stephanie said, put raisins in jello. That's a great idea. So we did a test run. We put raisins in jello, and sure enough, the raisins sunk to the bottom of the jello. I said, man, this is a great idea. I'm going to tell you, it's, it's, when you suck raisins up in a straw through jello, it's kind of like a booger. <laughs> um, and and the, the kids didn't enjoy that. The object of the game was to not eat the raisins, but just suck up all the jello. Well, they got a raisin. 
<laughs> and one of the young girls told me that that was like eating boogers. <laughs> and it was gross. And she said, I'll never trust you again. <laughs> this was on Tuesday. On Wednesday, she left, leaving the recreational area, telling me I'll never trust. And she knows I'm a preacher. That crushed me. I thought, oh my gosh, this little girl, she's probably 10, 12 years old, doesn't trust me. Came Wednesday, and the first thing she said to me, BBS hadn't even started yet. She was just in the building, and I was in the building. The very first thing she said to me when she saw me was, I don't trust you. <laughs> you know, she carried that all night Tuesday night, all day Wednesday. When she came to Wednesday night recreation, you know what she told me first thing she saw me? I don't trust you. I'll never trust you again. It was beginning to bother me. I mean, after they left, I did try it. And it is like a booger. Because the, the, the jello is hot when you pour it in there. And so it makes the raisins real soft. She wasn't far off. I don't mean to be gross, but that's what it was like. Thursday, she came and said, I was sitting in a chair, and she walked all the way up to me. She squatted down. She said, I don't trust you. I leaned over, and I touched my head on her forehead. I said, but I trust you. And she stood up, had a big smile on her face, and walked away. She came Friday. She said, I trust you. I said, you know what? I trust you, too. Last thing she said to me, now Friday they did the color run, and she was covered with stuff. I was not covered with stuff. <laughs> I did not participate. She said, I want to hug you and give you my stuff. So I let her hug me, and I got all her color run, and other kids saw it, and they were giving me their color run stuff too, but that was okay, because I couldn't take a bath. But she, you know what she did? She grabbed my shirt, pulled it down to her, so she could put her head on my forehead. She said, I want to come to church someday. I said, I'll be watching for you. We only get on for two and a half hours a week. I only get you for two and a half hours a week if you come Sunday and Wednesday. It's got to count, you know? Ministry's got to count. And it begins to count when we realize that our generosity, whether it's money or time or talent, it advances God's kingdom here in Valley Station. It's Jesus to people. It's, remember the word glory just means, God says, give me, your, give me glory. And just Glory, if you break the word, just means make God famous. To do our dead level best to make God famous. And we should never worry about being too generous. We can't, really. The project or ministry can accomplish a whole lot more than what it was ever envisioned for. I mean, wouldn't that be a wonderful blessing? Let's look a little closer here in this account next. Did you notice that generous people see the real need and give response to it? I love verse 3. Peter and John look straight into that lame beggar. I mean, they, they saw past all the stuff that's going on, saw past, and I don't know if he was sitting in a chair or laying on the ground or wherever his position was, but they saw all, past all that stuff, and they saw right straight into his heart. They didn't look over him. They didn't look around him. You know how we do when we pull up to the red light and people walk up. Didn't avoid them at all. See, generous people, they see a need and they're moved by that need. 
And we have to understand the need is not always money. Money doesn't fix everything. Sometimes money creates problems. We had a gentleman come a couple Sundays ago, and he was obviously intoxicated. Came at the end of our service, you may have seen him, asking for money for gas. I guess that's code word for whiskey. I don't know. <laughs> he wasn't looking for gas. He wanted some help to support his addiction. I said, sir, I, I can't give you cash. I said, we'd be glad to give you some food. He said, but I need cash. I said, well, I'll be glad to feed you for today. And he walked out. So sometimes money creates a problem. So to think that we're always asking for money when we ask people to be generous, that's erroneous. We're not. Generosity is something that wells up from the heart. It sees the need and does our best to address the need where it's at with whatever is required to meet that need. One of the most fulfilling things I do is I hear about the ministries in our church. Our church council is quite vocal. And honestly, most of our decisions are made in church council, 99.9% .9 of them. We hash them out, bang them out, throw them out, keep them. But it happens in church council. I'm grateful for that. And in church council, I get to hear about from Awana to, to WMU to the deacons, the Sunday school teachers to Triple L to, and the list goes on where we go around the room and I get to hear how people are engaging through their ministries. And they're all different. But they're all engaged. I'm grateful for the faithful people that we have. I'm grateful. All of those ministries represent spiritual growth. All those ministries that we do represent a level of generosity because we want to connect people with Jesus. I mean, the whole, the whole reason we do vacation Bible school is because of Thursday. I mean, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Friday are fun and important. But it's all about Thursday when we say, can I introduce you to Jesus? I mean, everything we do is for that. Everything we do on Sunday morning is to take us to the throne of grace, to see our Savior, to hear Him speak to our hearts, to, to call us and to mold us and to push us into the people that best make Him famous here. And you're good at it. We can get better. I'm not at all knocking what we do. I'm grateful for all that we do. Truth be known, some of the people that we're generous to will never see or meet again we got to be okay with it. Because some sow, some reap. Some water, some reap. We might be the sowers and the waters, and we may never see the people to whom we are investing ourselves. we got to be okay with that. Because it's somebody else's job to reap the harvest. Now somewhere out there, someone else is planting seeds and someone is watering, and it'll come to us to reap the harvest, to bring them to faith in Jesus Christ or help them to restore their home or their marriage or their children. But don't ever doubt that God's using us. The story also helps us understand that generous people live out of their substance. Now sometimes our substance is great, and sometimes our substance is small. But all of us live out of what we have. That's the truth. You can't live, well, I guess you can with a credit card, but it's eventually going to catch up to you. But we all live out of what we have. If you don't have it, you're not doing it. If you don't have it, you're not buying it. You're not going there. You're, but we all live out of what we have, whether great or small. 
But the size is, is not the measuring stick when it comes to being generous. It's the attitude. Remember the widow's mite? It wasn't the size that was important. It was her attitude. She was giving out of her financial resources to the point of sacrifice. In our story here in Acts, it was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It means they just had lunch a couple hours earlier. And supper's coming. So it's in between eating times. It wasn't long to supper time. And even though it was almost supper time, John and Peter didn't have a dime between them. Did you catch that? It was 3 o'clock. Now, I don't know what they thought they were going to have for supper, but it was probably just going to be nothing. Because if you don't have a dime between you, you're not buying a biscuit. They didn't have a dime between them. It was almost supper time, and they weren't even thinking about supper. I'm going to tell you how crazy I am. When I get up in the mornings, I think about supper. When I got up this morning, I put chicken in the, in the sink to thaw because I'm thinking about supper, and I haven't even had breakfast yet. Here's Peter and John, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's like two hours to supper. They're not even thinking about it. Not even crossing their mind. The most powerful moments come to us in ministry when they're sacrificed. Whether they're big or small. But that's when the most powerful moments come. And we have to understand that. It's sacrificing our time. Sacrificing our uh, the time involved to invest our talent. Sacrificing our money. Sacrificing our resources. <coughs> But true, authentic generosity in ministry happens when you sacrifice. Like today's worship service. Those songs didn't pop on the screen this morning magically. Jacqueline planned the worship service, prayed about it, sought the Holy Spirit, picked out those songs. This sermon was roughed in about a month ago and finished about two weeks ago. I mean, I knew two weeks ago what I was going to preach. I know what I'm preaching three weeks from now. You know, it doesn't just, it comes through sacrifice. Sunday school teachers, they didn't just come in here and the Sunday school lesson fall out of their head. I mean, it'd be great if it did. But it doesn't work that way. Vacation Bible school, y'all gonna think this is crazy. Our vacation Bible school wasn't even over. And I heard people who were working talking about next year's vacation Bible school. And it wasn't even over yet. Next year, we could do this or change that or move this. I was like, wow, talk about wanting to invest. And they're saying already, I'm going to sacrifice to make next year's BBS better. And what's awesome about that is for our church, that's happened for like 50 consecutive years. We've had like 52 or three consecutive years of vacation Bible school. I don't know any church that has that. That's pretty phenomenal. Pretty phenomenal. But each and every case, it's a sacrifice that counts. When you come across that godly person who sets something else aside in order to help accomplish a ministry or a task or a vision, that's a special gift. And we need special people to bring special gifts of time, talent, resources to step up and do the extraordinary things for God. That may seem obvious, but the story of the crippled beggar shows us that generous people give more than just money. Generosity and hospitality 
they're closely linked. In today's climate, there seems to be that generous givers want to give more than just their financial resources. And that's been true across time. That's especially true of younger givers. I mean, I don't know about you, but when Stephanie and I were first married, we couldn't hardly afford water. And so we couldn't support a whole lot financially. But man, we could serve. We could do. And it's, this is especially true of younger believers and givers. They want to get their feet on the ground. They want to invest and they want to build community and intimacy because that's what they can do and you don't have to have money to do that. Just time and desire. Volunteering in our church is a great way to find a deeper connection to what we do. And when we do that, we develop personal invested interests in serving God alongside others and a vested interest in wanting this place to do well. Not for us. Never ever for us, but for his glory, his kingdom, and his sake. See, God can replace us all in this. But this church is still be this building will still be here. The institution of South Jefferson will continue on through ministry. So plug in while we can. There really was two ways to serve in the story. For Peter and John, the opportunity was right there in front of them. They didn't have to search for it. And the same is true for us. We really have two opportunities. We can either build believers or reach seekers. That's really what we do. We either use our time, talent, energy, and resources to, to invest in other believers and build believers. That's primarily what Triple L does. It's a believe, it's a, a member-focused ministry. And then you've got other ministries that are seeker-driven, and you want to reach seekers, and that's primarily WMU with our Samaritan's Purse and all the things that we do to, to reach out to people, to the community over at Watson Lane. WMU is a very outward focus, away from this corner to reach people. It's what we do with our gospel every home. We go and hang those flyers in the doors. We're, we're leaving this place to invite people to this place. So that we could tell them about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So jump in wherever you can. You can jump in and give money. You can jump in and give skills. You can jump in and give time and resources. And when you do that, I want you to watch us what God will do in you and through you in this place. And there's something else we learn in Acts this account is that people give even when it doesn't make sense. And it could be the farthest mind, farthest thing from our, our thinking. The, the, the crippled man and everyone else in this community only saw one need. They only saw one man asking for money. That's all they saw. They didn't see any other need. They just saw that he wanted money. And certainly, money's important. You can't do a whole lot without money. But his need was broader. And Peter's keen eye focused directly on the need. Now, sometimes being generous makes no sense to anyone but you. Like a crippled beggar, you may have been mistreated, you may have been harmed in some way. And so those kind of situations require like a grace check. It gets to the very heart of any commitment to being a generous person, moving beyond our community. Really, it's the hardest thing to overcome, to, to get outside this comfortable little group that we have. Moving beyond our humanity is even harder to see the ultimate needs around us. TJ and I were talking today about the speed of evil. Evil's fast, folks. It's fast. Evil is so fast it can happen that quick. 
backward. We have to be moving faster there, or at least at the pace of evil. We begin to talk about our community. Evil is moving fast in this community. Fast. And we've had young girls that were prostituted by their parents to support their drug habit. Grandchildren who lost mother and father, and in some cases, mother, father, and both grandparents to drugs and being raised by an uncle. They come here. Because for two and a half hours a week, they get shielded from evil. We hover around them, we love them, we invest in them, we give to them. Some people come into this sanctuary on Sundays just to escape evil. Because this is a safe place. Safe in the shelter of the arms. Jesus said, oh, I wish there was a mother hen and I could pull it low. This is a place where that happens. Generous people get involved personally. I like that. Peter took the generous man by the hand. And that little girl came and placed her head on my forehead Thursday evening. It dawned on me what happened. It just happened in a second. But when I put my head on her head and said, I trust you, I don't know what kind of barrier was there, a wall or fear or but somewhere between Wednesday and Thursday, that wall fell. She's 10, 11, 12 years old. She had time to think about it. Just like you'll have time when you go home today to think about this message. So much so that she thought about it, that she initiated being secret. She took her one little finger, pulled my t-shirt down to lower my head, not saying a word at first. She just put her head on my forehead and giggled. It was a safe place. We have to put skin in the game. Peter took that crippled man by the hand. Now back in that day, if you were crippled and you couldn't stand and you had to bathe, do you know what you bathed in? Mud. If you couldn't get off the ground, you had to bathe on the ground. Now presumably somebody probably helped him up into a chair, but odds are this man was probably kind of dirty, kind of stinky. Dirt under his nails because he's sitting on the ground all day. Probably may have had fleas or lice. Peter saw past all that. He says he took him by the right hand. You know what the most important hand in the Jewish culture is? Your right hand. If he wanted to help him without putting his skin in the game, he would use his left hand. In that culture, do you know what the left hand was used for? They didn't have toilet paper back then. That's what the left hand was used for. In Jewish culture, they never ate with their left hand for that reason. They never touched the top of the table with their left hand. They never touched their face with their left hand. And you never reached out to take anyone with your left hand unless you were insulting. Here was a dirty man who he reached out, not with his left, but it says he reached out with his right hand. He was saying to him, we're equal. You are just as important to God as I am. What you need, God has. 
He reached out with his rock. So important for us to understand that, that we have to put skin in the game. Peter was personally vesting himself in God's work to this man by extending his right hand. And if we are to be generous in our ministries here at South Jefferson, we need to get involved on a personal level. We can't sit back and hope that ministry might happen, hope that people might come to Christ, hope that somebody else might invite somebody to church, because it'll never happen. We have to individually put skin in the game. And then that's because generous people give to see the impossible become possible. Sometimes we have to be willing to imagine something greater than ourselves in order to get behind the ministry. It's a wonderful blessing when all things come together and we encounter the miraculous when we minister in that way and together in response to the Holy Spirit's leading. We're turning what seems impossible into the impossible. And then we learn from this chapter in Acts that people give, generous people give, when others will not. Do you notice how many people ignored this man? Uh, let me use the word everyone. All but two people. Because did you notice that everyone was in wonder? Everyone was in awe? Everyone recognized that that was the man who was the beggar outside the gate. Everyone had been ignoring that man. But not Peter and John. I wonder how many ignored there are in your family. Or ignored in our church or in our community. Don't ignore them anymore. They need what you have. They need for us to be generous. And the day may come when we find ourselves in that situation. We look around and see no one else is giving. But something inside of us says, do it. Go for it. Your personal impact can be enormous. See, generosity is not something that comes after you accumulate wealth. It's something you, you live out whether you're wealthy or not wealthy. It's not something that shows up. It's a, a lifestyle that we cultivate. Lastly, believers' generosity results in praising God and celebration and worship. That's how the story ends. People are praising God because he had strong ankles and strong feet. We're going to sing him invitations, Jacqueline Cummins. How generous are you? Scripture is very compelling. We as believers in Lord Jesus Christ are to be a generous people. And it's not just money. It's our time, our talents, our resources. It's us. When was the last time you were really generous with yourself? Let's stand together as we sing.